right, guys, welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast. We have a great show for you tonight. Uh, tonight, we'll do some follow-up from our conversation last week. Uh, then we'll be discussing tonight's topic, being the Good Samaritan during times of need. Uh, we'll talk about what Jesus calls us to do, and we'll uh, we'll talk about some ways that we've seen people step up uh, in the last few weeks during this pandemic. Um, you know, we're going to talk about ways we can start being the Good Samaritan in our own lives as well. Um, again, especially with this pandemic going on. Um, and then finally, we uh, we want to answer some of your questions. So if you have a question, if you're watching on Facebook, please feel free to leave them in the comments below. Uh, or you can text your question to 516-908-2234. Again, we would love to answer your questions. Leave them in the comments below or you can text 516-908-2234. Um, I'm going to bring on my co-host for the week. That's uh, Sean Greeley. Sean, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing all right, Lorenz, and uh, glad to be here again this week and looking forward to a great conversation today. Absolutely. Um, so, Sean, last week we discussed how we can keep Christ in our lives uh, during this pandemic. Um, very tough for all of us Catholics. Obviously, we're not able to attend Mass. Uh, we're not able to receive the Eucharist. Um, this coming Sunday, I mean, we're talking about Palm Sunday. I, I can't believe it's already here, uh, but we're talking about Palm Sunday. Um, obviously, not as a big deal as the Eucharist, but still, you know, something people look forward to. And we can't even receive palms this Sunday. So um, if you haven't uh, heard or, or seen the conversation we had last week, um, I definitely urge you to uh, check it out, uh, go back and take a listen. Uh, but Sean, I know that you had some resources that you wanted to uh, share with the listeners and the viewers about keeping Christ in our lives during these times. Yeah, listen, I think we're all kind of looking for ways to fill the fill the gaps in the voids. Um, well, either we're working from home or we're just home. Uh, maybe you have kids at home, you're, you're looking for ways to integrate Christ into your life more. And there's a lot of really good virtual or um, non-virtual options to do that. So uh, one thing, whether you're an adult or a teenager or a kid, if you have social media, you most likely have an Instagram account, right? Um, there are some Instagram accounts that I would highly encourage people to take a look at. Um, one geared specifically for women is called Blessed Is She. It's an awesome online community of Catholic women who are just constantly encouraging each other deep in their faith. So definitely check that one out. Um, you know, Lorenz and I both run an Instagram account called Just a Parishioner, where we feature everyday Catholics who are just sharing their faith via video there. So it's a good way to get a different kind of faith perspective than one you might have personally. Um, another one is uh, if you're a college aged, uh, if you're a college student who's home for the semester and you, you're looking for ways to deepen your faith and you don't have uh, campus ministry readily accessible, Check out Focus Catholic. Uh, Focus is the fellowship of Catholic university students, and it's, it's all geared specifically for college students. Um, in addition to those Instagram accounts, if you like good old fashioned books, uh, some, some really good ones to check out. First, I think Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis is probably one of the best that I could encourage you to uh, read. Uh, just gives a really, really good breakdown of what Christians believe across the board. And almost all of it is very, very applicable to us as Catholics. Um, secondly, for a more specifically Catholic view of things, um, like we talked about last week, getting into the Bible can be a really good way to, um, you know, so the Bible is a book, obviously a good book to read, um, but one that kind of gives a good commentary on biblical scripture, and especially the gospel, is Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen. Um, Fulton Sheen was a hugely popular priest uh, throughout the mid 
19th or 1900s. And um, his book, Life of Christ, just gives a really good breakdown of Christ's entire life and all of the moments that happened during it. Uh, the last book I would, I would recommend is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, he was a survivor of the Holocaust, who was a psychiatrist, and he kind of documented his observations and findings through his Holocaust experience um, as he just witnessed the suffering around him, but really the ways that people were able to survive and keep going um, by finding meaning in their lives. Now, obviously, we're not suffering in anything nearly as bad as the Holocaust here with this coronavirus uh, pandemic, but it is it does have its own suffering component that comes along with it. So if you're struggling through it and you're looking for something that can really add um, a really good perspective on suffering itself, Man's Search for Meaning is a really great resource to go to. Um, so yeah, th those are a few really good resources that I would point you to. Uh, and hopefully you find some meaning in them. And you know, there's a million other ones out there. Even just going on social media and looking up Catholic, you'll find plenty out there. Uh, some really great resources. Thanks for that, Sean. Uh, I, uh, I think we're going to put those in the comments as well. So, uh, you know, if you didn't have your pen and paper <laughs> to write those down, uh, we'll put those in the comments below. Um, you're ranging anywhere from books. And, and I love the fact that you're talking about Instagram, social media, um, which brings us to uh, Father Brian, probably one of the most tech savvy people uh, I know. <laughs> um, so, uh, Father, how are you? Always great to have you back on your podcast. How are things going? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? <laughs> doing well. Um, yeah, sure. I'm being a little sarcastic. It's all good, though. Uh, so for, based on the conversation that we had last week, uh, what kind of feedback did you get from, you know, parishioners, people you know, um, just on the information that we shared? Is there anything that, that you wanted to add in regards to uh, keeping Christ in our lives uh, during this time? Well, I just think uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. In some respects, it feels like we were the podcast was a month ago uh, in some aspects in other ways, it feels like it was a few days ago. It just, these are such intense days. Um, so I just think just that, that question, that question an ongoing question, like how do I, how do we further incorporate uh, God into these sort of terrible days? Um, so yeah, people just uh, some nice comments about things that were said throughout from the different, um, guest on the program. So that was, that was positive. No, that's great. So, uh, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about the, uh, the topic at hand this evening. Um, and, and it's being the good Samaritan, right? Um, in a few minutes, you know, we are going to talk about some specific things that we've seen, uh, in the last few weeks, some examples that we may have. Um, but you know, again, I just want to get your input in regards to, um, doing what Jesus is asking us to do and stepping up during these times. Yeah. You know, it's interesting the way you put it, that what he's asking us to do, which he does. Um, but I think, you know, in a lot of ways, he doesn't really even have to ask. I think, um, I think like our desire to be Samaritan, our desire to, to look beyond ourselves, it really is kind of an instinctive thing. I mean, we come from God, right? Um, so it's in our DNA. Now, how we live our lives and the ways we connect or not ourselves to faith, you know, that will determine how sort of God driven we are. But I think if we're, you know, if we're, if we are trying to really work on our relationship with God and be people of faith, um, this desire, or I think a desire to just to reach out to people in need is sort of, 
it is kind of natural. Um, and I think my, my experience has been that when, when bad things happen, um, that desire kind of almost explodes. Um, there's sort of this, when something terrible happens that like, I can't fix, I can't heal. I'm not able to, you know, really make this, take this person's pain away. I like this, this we just want to do something. Uh, I remember my father died, um, it's about 16 years ago. And I remember in the days from like, you know, basically the days of during the wake, really before the funeral, uh, the amount of things that were dropped, delivered to my, my mom's house was, was like crazy, like packages, just cold cut, cold cut pat, uh, platters and, you know, things of fruits and just like people just photo like, it was like, how much fruit could we have in the next couple of days? Like there was just so much stuff that was uh, sent our way and it was wonderful, but I think it was like, it, it, it was almost like an expression of this desire that we like, all right, your dad died. Uh, we can't, we can't change that. So how can we like lighten your burden a little bit? And very often words don't really, uh, we don't really have the words. So we just want to do something um, to feel like we're, we're helping. Um, I think sometimes you see it. If a young person dies, uh, maybe it's like a, you know, say you're, you know, Lorenz, your age, say you're like, you know, you're in your thirties and a, a high school friend classmate dies and um, all the friends kind of gather around. Like there's a, let's do it. Let's create a foundation. Let's, uh, let's get a golf outing going in, in this person's name. And we'll, we'll get, let's get a, let's get a scholarship in his or her name going. Like there's just this desire to do something when we're hurting. And when we're struggling, uh, I mean, if we're the direct person who's struggling, it's sometimes harder to do because you really are just, you know, sometimes you're almost paralyzed by it. But I think even then, even the people, I think there's the challenge when, when we're finding life very tough, I think we should just pursue that and allow that kind of that thing within us to, to look beyond ourselves, let that happen. Because uh, I think that's sort of the the quickest way to healing, and the, you know the fastest way to recovery. Well, Brian, I know that. Um, well, I think in New York, either today or you know late yesterday, it was within the last couple of days we officially passed the number of deaths in New York City than during nine eleven because of coronavirus. And I mean, I was very young when nine eleven happened, but. Uh, all I remember is, you know, between baseball games and news and pre the boy, the president was speaking and everything. You just felt this very tangible sense of national pride and community that kind of came together as a result of a tragedy, kind of what you're talking about here right now. Um, and I think that we're kind of seeing the same thing here with coronavirus, um, with, you know, obviously all of the, the death and the horror and the sickness that's coming with it. We're also seeing like such amazing examples of community and, um, you know, sharing in humanity with each other. Can you, I mean, you just spoke to it to, to a large degree, but 
I think within like the Christian worldview, community is probably one of the most important things. If I, you know, if if you agree with that, I'm not sure, but um, you know, the whole the whole idea of like a mystical body of Christ and a uh, you know all being one body, like this this language we hear in Scripture. Um, to me, I think that's got to be one of the most important things from a from a purely faith perspective, right? Well, I, I think it, I think it completely is, and you know, I think we're all any of us old enough. Um, everybody's kind of going back to, to 9-11 as the, uh, you know, I don't know, frame of reference. Or that's like we're saying, okay, how, in, in some ways, these days are like that time. And then we say, in other ways, they're not. Um, I think what was a little different then was, that, like you said, there was this national pride thing that was just so, like, tangible. Uh, you know, we we as, a, as a nation were attacked. Um, so it was the whole just sort of patriotic, again, national, national thing where this is different in that it's everywhere. It's not a, you know, we weren't attacked by a, by a country. We weren't attacked by some, you know, by bad guys. This is the good guys and the bad guys have been, are are affected by this. So I guess, I mean, isn't it kind of creating almost this broader communal connection where just, you know, humanity is connected. Like we're all affected by this, you know, if, on 9-11, you know, people in Europe, you know, they were, they were saddened for us, but they weren't really directly impacted or, or affected. I mean, this thing is just, this thing, it knows no borders. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's just broader. I think it's broader. And it's everywhere you look. Um, I mean, even, even with 9-11, it was like New York, you know, it's the East coast, New York, you know, Pennsylvania, Washington, we were affected. The Midwest wasn't, the West coast wasn't. So even there, yeah, while it was, it was the country, there was sort of a distancing thing. It's just with the, with Corona, like there's, there's no distancing, right? I mean, that, 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 that's really it. I think you said it perfectly. It has no borders, right? It has no borders. And I, I think to your point, this is, this is where people are just looking to step up as much as they can. I think the phrase that keeps popping into people's minds is, how can I help, right? Uh, you know, how can I help? No matter how small, how big, how can I help? Um, you know, some things that, uh, that I've seen uh, people throughout the country in, in our own community, um, I, I've seen, you know, restaurants stepping up because obviously some kids, you know, their best meal is when they were in school. I know some re- uh, local restaurants that are providing lunches for kids. Same restaurants are providing foods to hospitals for, for healthcare workers. Um, I know of some people knitting masks, you know, we're short on masks throughout the country. People are just knitting away uh, and, and donating them. Mm-hmm. I've seen little videos of people leaving toilet paper and hand sanitizer outside for postal, postal workers and delivery people uh, right. to pick up. You know, just uh, again, no matter how big, no, no matter how little, I think people are just dying to, uh, to, to say, how can I help? Um, you know, I'm actually going to ask the viewers and the listeners right now, um, if there are any stories that you've heard, um, in addition to any questions you may have, uh, some type of inspiring act, I'd love you for, to leave those in the comments below and hopefully we can, uh, circle around, uh, to, to, you know, to address those, or you could text them in, uh, again, the number is 516-908-2234. Uh, I mean, father, even kids are getting involved. Uh, they're making signs just, uh, hanging up you know, outside their windows in the, and some of them are bringing them into the hospitals just to thank healthcare professionals. So it seems like everybody wants to get their hand in. 
you know, and I think it's, it's, um, that, that is played out in that, um, you do what you can. So like, what's an eight year old do an eight year old, you know, draws a picture or makes a poster and somehow makes that present, uh, an eight, you know, an eight year old, you know, sells lemonade and, you know, the money that comes from that goes toward whatever, some larger cause. I mean, you, you know, into people in entertainment. I think last Sunday night there were a couple of concerts on TV. Uh, entertainers just sort of doing kind of what we're doing from their, you know, from their living rooms. They would play a song or two or three, and then it was you know raising money for it. That was big after 9/11. Some of those great concerts. So yeah, I think part of it is like, okay, what do I have to offer that can kind of help the cause? Um, whether you're an eight-year-old or you're a, you know, you're a Billy Joel doing his thing or whatever. It's uh, kind of taking the gifts you got and the means that you have and, and kind of moving them toward other people. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, let's, uh, let's circle this back around to, you know, to our faith. And uh, like you said, Jesus, well, I he doesn't ask us. Sometimes he tells us, but sometimes he doesn't even need to. But, um, you know, in regards to our faith, you know, bringing it back to being the Good Samaritan, I, I mean, your thoughts on that, Father, and, and how our faith can fit in into what we're discussing right now. Because obviously, people who are, are helping out throughout the country, throughout our communities, um, they're not all Catholic. They're not all Christian. You know, you know, people are just, I think, are inherently good. Uh, but as Catholics, uh, you know, I think we do have a responsibility. But uh, what do you think? You know, this gospel, um, when I have a funeral, I'll often use this gospel when it's, um, when it's kind of a different funeral, uh, a big one, whether it's a young person who's died or a, just a very significant death. Um, a lot of people affected. Um, I'll often use the gospel, uh, the road to Emmaus. And um, I mean, real, real quickly, it's these two disciples, disciples of Jesus, uh, he's been crucified. They know that they're walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where, where Jesus was, it's where the you know, faith was. So the presumption is that it's not explicitly said, but the presumption presumption is they're giving up. Like they're, they're done. Um, they're going back home. They're probably thinking the job that I left to follow him. I hope I can get it back. Um, they're certainly heartbroken. They're disillusioned. They're discouraged. They're depressed. Um, they're walking along the road. They're just talking to each other about how much how awful it is. Jesus shows up. They don't recognize him. There's that kind of back and forth conversation. They're intrigued by him, but they don't know it's him. And then they're sort of going at, uh, I guess that's like a fork in the road. And uh, Jesus is going this way. And these two guys are going, well, Jesus says to them, I'm, you know, I'm going off this way. And they say, well, it's late. So you ought to come with us and get something to eat and, and stay over. And he does. And then they have a meal. And then at the, at the meal, it clicks. They realize at that point, you know, who he is. They kind of discover him. It's a whole kind of like Eucharistic uh, connection. And uh, that's when, well, that's when hope is restored. That's when they, that's when they start to feel better. Um, but if you kind of, if you, if you backtrack a little bit, it's like, that didn't happen unless they had the meal and the meal didn't happen if they didn't, if these two guys who themselves were overwhelmed and distracted 
if they didn't step out aside of themselves and say to this stranger, you ought to get something to eat, like come hang with us. When they, when they stopped for a moment thinking about themselves, that kind of like opened a door which led to things making sense and hope kind of being restored. So, you know, like the funeral scenario, like if you're this great person has died, this sort of central figure, this um, beloved person, whoever they were, like you sort of like, um, I can't imagine life without him or her. And how am I going to, how, how am I going to make it happen? And you just can be overwhelmed by loss. I mean, people, I mean, between last Friday night and, and tonight, guys, I mean, think of the number of people who are asking themselves that question, like right now, who, who a week ago, their lives were significantly different. In the last six or seven days, they've lost a huge person in their life. And they're now wondering, like, how do I, how do, I do this anymore? Um, they're like, they're on that road. And I think the challenge is like, those people, they got to invite somebody <laughs> to stay over. They got to invite somebody to, to, you know, to come for dinner. They've got to, they got to do something which doesn't focus on themselves. And I think this, you know, and it doesn't mean you do that immediately. Grief is a legitimate, people have a right to kind of do their thing for a, a healthy, appropriate time period. But at a point and probably sooner than later, you got to get beyond yourself. You got to think about, and you know what? You know, it didn't in that story. It's an awesome story. Like it was gradual. Like they didn't, they're, they're walking and talking with him and they don't know who he is. Like maybe the point of that is, yeah, this thing, things get better, but they don't get better right away. They don't get better, you know, in a moment um, and on somebody else's timetable. So it is a gradual thing, but it happens. And I think like this good Samaritan concept we're talking about, it's like, if I recognize the guy across the street who's laying in the gutter or in the ditch, and I forget about, for the moment, the fact that I've got to get to some appointment or I'm stressing about something in my life, if I can focus on, take the focus off me, direct it towards somebody else, well, number one, that's when good things happen. Objectively, good things happen. People who are in need are rescued. But we're also rescued. Like, happiness, hope, you know, healing, it starts to be reborn. So to me, that's it. To me, it's like this, you can't think about yourself. You gotta, you gotta be otherward, other-centered. And I think you're seeing it now, like, hey, we're all affected by this. Some people way more than others, no doubt. People have lost loved ones, and you know, most of us haven't. But we're all upset, we're all sort of struggling with this to kind of keep pushing ourselves to go beyond ourselves. Um, I think that's the way to be on that road. Like with, with the good Samaritan gospel, when does it happen? Right. It's right after Jesus tells us what the singular greatest commandment is. It's love, love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And then he says, it's like, I mean, scripture says to justify himself, Jesus asked, but who is my neighbor? And then gets into the whole parable and he's right. like, Every single person is your neighbor. And if you ignore them day in and day out, then you're just like that, you know, the priest and the Levite. Um, And not like the Samaritan who stops and helps him up and, you know, saves his life, essentially. Um, 
and whether or not it's you're grieving somebody who just died or it's just somebody that needs a hand, I think it's very easy. And it plays into everything we're talking to here where we don't want to be the priest or the Levite who ignores the guy on the road, right? We don't want to be the one who kind of like puts our blinders on and just ignores the guy in need. But how often are we doing that in our daily lives outside of a crisis like this, right? Um, I mean, a crisis like this is, a, it's not good, obviously. It's not a good thing, but it is a little like, it's almost like a defibrillator to our hearts, but like our hearts of charity. And it, it kind of makes us focus on the other so much more, like we're saying. But, you know, in a couple months, God willing, this thing will fade away to a large degree and we'll, we'll start to recuperate as a society and we'll get back to like relative normalcy, I think, I hope. And what happens then? Like, do we keep that charitable mindset and are we still going out of our ways to help those in need and, and putting ourselves out there, even when it's uncomfortable for us, even when it's uncomfortable socially, or are we just going to, I don't know, get back into the, the normalcy and put on airs again and, and assume the role of the priest and the Levite as opposed to the Samaritan. I think that's like the biggest challenge for all of us when like, I love seeing all the good things that are happening right now. And the, the, the kicker is that we can't let it stop. You know, we can't just like ignore all of it after this crisis ends. We need to, we need to maintain a mindset as much as possible that this stuff is, can keep happening. Uh, and, you know, to me, that's what establishing the kingdom of heaven kind of looks like. You know, um, I keep thinking, uh, well, again, in the last week or 10 days, uh, as this gets worse, I think it's forcing us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it myself. Like I'm praying in different ways these days than I did in previous days. Um, number one, I'm just praying more. Um, I'm I've got more people to pray for. Uh, you know, people in my life who are, you know, elderly and uh, kind of alone, kind of worried about them. Um, people in the parish, same deal, who I, I know are alone. Um, just the this kind of stories we're hearing about the hospitals, like kind of just horrifying stuff. Um, here's kind of my hope that like, that we maintain the, that our relationship with God, I think it is changed because of this and that it remains changed. Um, you know, I see this again, like this is pre virus days, like go to, go to mass some days if uh, I don't have the mass or I'm, you know, it's a couple of minutes before and I'm, I'm in the back of the church. Um, Look at people when they come into mass on a Sunday morning. I mean, people uh, people aren't really praying. They're there. Um, people are on their phone. No, some cases, you know, they're yeah, they're looking at the readings for the for the day, but most aren't. Like most people are, you know, checking out emails or their texts or whatever. Um, look at people, and I know this is a little judgmental. I mean, I, I can't, I don't know all of this for a fact, but I'm. I'm kind of betting it's true. Like look at people after communion frequently, like it's sort of almost, it's almost the exception when you see somebody's head bowed and maybe eyes closed and they're just, they're in another place. Um, they're, we're, we're there. 
Like we're showing up. I mean, those of us who are, who are doing that, we're showing up. But I'm, I'm not so sure we're praying so much. And I think people are praying more now because they're just scared. And we should be scared and we should be praying more. It's a very simple point. Like, have we just entered deeper into this? You know, maybe you say, well, man, it's like, it wouldn't have been nice if we had done this a month ago when there was nothing to be afraid of. And we just said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make this a great Lent just because I want to get closer to God. Some of us do that. Most of us don't, but whatever, whatever, whatever the, the past doesn't really matter. It's like, can some good on a spiritual end come of this tough time? Like, will it last? You know, it's funny. You bring up, I think fear, um, uh, and I, I don't want to get too fo- deep into this, but to me, it's like you hear the phrase like fear of God. And we know that God is like love and mercy, but he's also justice. And he's obviously I'm not, again, I'm not saying God is causing the coronavirus, but what I think like fear of God really kind of means is when we're exposed to our own mortality and taken out of the comfort that we've built for ourselves, right. we realize how important those bigger questions actually are. Right. And we can become afraid of God in the sense that we have to consider how real he actually is. Right. That we're not our own gods, you know? Um, we are, I mean, it's funny how a lot of the time, like the world around us is trying its hardest to, to take us out, you know, like with viruses and natural disasters and everything. And when we actually have to face that, it's, it can be extremely terrifying because mortality is in our face and, and staring us down. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do at that moment? Are we, then, then it's, I mean, it can be relatively easy to turn to God. But again, when we reset, when everything goes back to that normalcy, are we able to keep, keep facing towards God and, and not just, you know, put on all the, the comforts and, you know, essentially uh, anesthetize ourselves to, to the world around us. Go ahead, Father. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I mentioned the end, uh, I think it was the end of last week when we were talking just how, I was talking about the greatest generation uh, people that I, I came come to know uh, here in the parish, a number of funerals that I've done recently. People just from that era who just objectively, they knew fear and they knew like trial. They, they lived during the depression. They were, you know, witnessed combat during the war. Um, and I've always kind of thought like, or I've often thought like, yeah, I could, my life, when I'm 54, like, you know, 9-11, yeah, that was this, that was this moment of, of, you know, terrible uncertainty. Um, but like, my life has been kind of like, I haven't really lived in fear. I mean, you guys, I mean, you guys, I mean, you guys are way younger than me, but like, you don't really live in fear. Like, like we kind of have, we sort of have control of our lives. Like, hey, if you lose your job, there's a fear that comes with that. Like, you know, Lorenz, you've got kids, you know, you've got a family. Like, okay, that's scary. I've got to get, I've got to get things, you know, that's not your case, but I've got to, I got to, I got to address this. So you can have, we have these moments, but health scares, that can be objectively, you know, frightening. But like, we don't, I mean, in our lives, it just seems to me, I think like we haven't really lived like, I don't know, is it like this loss of control? We don't really have a lot of control, way less control now than we did a month ago, three, two weeks ago in our lives. And we're not used to that. Um, 
you know, and, and, and I think we're, we're all dealing with it in different ways. Some days I just get really aggravated and I'm cranky and, you know, uh, and I just sort of a jerk about it. Um, and there's the, you know, there's the negative, the negative side of it. And some people like are going crazy buying thousands of rolls of toilet paper. It's like, it's a fear thing. It's like, are you ever going to need that much? Are you ever possibly going to need that much of this or that? No, but it, it makes me feel like I'm a little bit more in control. And I think really what it is, is it's an expression of kind of the lack of control uh, that we have. And it's something fairly foreign to us, this loss of some sense of control. Um, and then what do you do with that? Like, I think that should be bringing us to our knees. Like that should be bringing us to prayer. And again, what's so unique about this thing is like, we, like we can't even go to church. Like we can't even, the places you'd run to instinctively, we, we kind of can't. But hey, that's not the, we know this. That's not the only way to to be with God. But I don't know. I think that's this is different. It seems to me um, for for most people, uh, from most people who are alive now, just have not had sort of the, the sort of collective experience of not being in control. I, I think that uh, I think what you're saying is is absolutely right. It's just. I think people's first reactions when this first came out, uh, a handful of people, um, you know, what popped into their head is what we talked about before. How can I help? The majority of us is, okay, let me, okay, how can I protect myself and my family, right? So that, that's, that's the majority of people. Oh, uh, how am I going to help my family? I know by, like you said, 800 rolls of toilet paper. I think as weeks go by, more and more of us start to get into the how can I help mentality. Again, we're going to be taking our precautions, staying home when we need to, social distancing, washing our hands as much as we can, right? We've done that for the past couple of weeks. And now we're like, okay, the majority of us, okay, the majority of us, we're okay. Uh, We're doing what we need to do. And I have a little bit more in me to, to step up for the people around me. I mentioned some things that I saw before, uh, but even if that little thing, even if that little thing you have is just spreading some positivity, that positivity goes a long way in a negative world. I I mean, I've seen some just small acts of positivity. Uh, You know, there was a kid across the street from my house. It was his birthday. Uh, I'm assuming that they were going to have a party for them. That obviously went out the window when this struck. So I walked outside, I hear a lot of honking and 50, and and I'm not even exaggerating, 50 cars lined up, honking their horns, balloons out the window, signs out, some people running out, dropping off gifts gifts at the door, um, just wishing this five, six-year-old a happy birthday, you know, taking the, people took the time out of their day to do that. Um, I saw a story of this girl out in California. She's, uh, she's, a teenager and she was finishing her last round of chemo and on her way home from, from the hospital the, her entire block was lined up with cars. Again, people with balloons saying, uh, you know, congratulations and all that, and just creating this parade for her, this kinds of, uh, of positivity. Uh, Joe, I, Joe, I sent you a, a picture that went viral um, a few weeks back. Um, you know, if you could pull that up, but you know, the picture is of, of a man holding up a sign um, for healthcare professionals, um, you know, a cardboard sign, and all it said is, you know, thank you all in emergency for saving my wife's life. Uh, I love you all. There's a reason why that picture went viral. Uh, of course, you know, it, it you know, it really, it, it really hit people at home. So, 
Um, you know, I'm going to bounce it off of you, Father. I'm going to bounce it uh, to you as well, Sean. Uh, you know, what are some things that that come into your mind that some parishioners can do to, to step it up and either spread some type of positivity or, or, or do some kind of work being the Good Samaritan? And, um, you know, going back, Father Brian, we may not know somebody directly who has died or has been infected. Um, here in New York, though, and especially with the way we're seeing social media, with, with social media, we might not know somebody, but there's a very good chance we know somebody who knows somebody who died, who was close to them. Um, so, you know, it, it's treating that like, what if, if I see uh, one of my friends and his grandmother passes away, how would I feel if it was my grandmother and acting that way? So, um, you know, circling back to my question, what are some things do you think people can do uh, to be the Good Samaritan to help out? Well, I don't know. I, I think, um, Again, we're limited because you know you can't you can't go over to the house and you know spend time with the person. Um, but maybe even think like who are the people on the block, um, or begin with your family. You know who who are, who are people within my family who are uh, particularly alone. You know and maybe a little bit more vulnerable. You know by virtue of their age or their health or both. And uh, you know we can't be within a couple of feet of each other, but we can call each other. Um, and I've been trying to do that in the parish, like thinking of some of the uh, older people who are uh, who are alone. You know, I know they're alone. They live alone, and um, you know, I haven't done it as much as I as I need to. But just giving them a call, giving a call, just say I'm I'm thinking of you. Um, it's a temporary distraction, and uh, hey, it's nice to. Who doesn't like that feeling? The thought of knowledge that somebody's somebody's thinking about you. Yeah, some, something as something as devastating as loneliness, right? Uh, we we spoke about that last week. Just sheer loneliness is is what we know a lot of people are suffering from these times. Yeah, you know, it's also on a very practical level. It's frustrating. Is uh, you know, I'm not certainly speaking for all older people. Lots of older people are are uh, sat, uh, you know, computer savvy, but lots aren't. Thinking of my mom, you know, my mom, my mom lives alone and she doesn't have a computer. Um, you know, even things like the mass, you know, she'd be able to be plugging into to, to the masses down here each day. Um, just you know, the, the internet, just being able to kind of, it's like one more uh, diversion. So, so I guess my point is people, those, those who are isolated, who are also just don't even have the benefit of technology or limited tech technology to, to help them, you know, deal with the isolation. You know, I think, um, anytime I think of how to serve others, my mind goes immediately to the corporal works of mercy and, uh, you know, what you're saying here, Father Brian, like it's, we can't really do any of them physically right now. Mm. Um, you know, we're talking about feeding the hungry, clothing naked, um, visiting the sick, um, burying the dead. You know, these are things like even, you know, funerals are getting canceled or, or aren't able to happen. Um, but then in this scenario, it's like so good to, one, get creative with those corporal works of mercy and two, go to the spiritual works of mercy. Um, so how do we get creative, right? It's, uh, one thing that you said when we're talking about visiting the sick. All right. Can I call them? Can I FaceTime them? Can I video chat with them? Right. Um, and with sick, we can we can throw in people afflicted by loneliness or um, anything like that too. 
Um, when we're talking about burying the dead, like obviously, like Lorenz mentioned, I think um, we're all, or maybe you mentioned, but we're all going to get to know people who are either diagnosed or unfortunately pass away from this virus. Um, you know, whether it be somebody very close or somebody kind of distant, let's make time for prayer for them because we can't physically be there to bury them, but we can pray for their soul. We can, you know, pray to God that they are able to join him in eternal happiness in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just to, to close out with the spiritual words of mercy, some of these you look at and they're really challenging at any time, but especially when all you have is time, like a lot of us find ourselves in that situation with the coronavirus going on. Um, you know, one of them is to bear patiently those around us, right? What did you and say again? One of one of the spiritual works of mercy is to to bear patiently those who wrong us, right? Oh yeah. Be patient with people who are causing you suffering. And I don't know about you guys, but if I was trapped at home with my family, I love my family, but eventually I, they would get on my nerves a little bit. Like, can I can I give them can can I have a little bit more patience with them? Um, another one is to forgive offenses, and it's like maybe maybe there's something on my heart that I haven't been able to forgive. And can I take this time to really pray for the grace to be able to offer forgiveness to this person who offended me? Um, so that, like, these are, these are not necessarily the most obvious things as far as like holding signs out your window and clapping for healthcare workers. And th- those things are awesome. Like don't stop doing them. But as on this, on a personal spiritual level, like there is so much that all of us on our, in our own personal lives can kind of offer through those things. I think that's a great point. You know, a, a buddy of mine um, uh, texted me two or three nights ago and he said uh, he wanted to know uh, his wife. He wants to, he wants to, he's going to try and learn the guitar during these, these weeks or at least get started with it. So he texted me asking me, recommending a, you know, kind of a beginner guitar to buy. Uh, but I mean, stuff like that. I think we've all said, okay, what's something that I can do because I'm going to have this extra time. So it's, you know, let me start working out a little bit more. Let me pick up a book and, and, and do more reading. Let me learn, <laughs> learn the instrument, you know, whatever. Um, I think that, you know, so we, we kind of, and I think sometimes we even do things like that during Lent. Like we, we kind of almost take the spiritual stuff away. We say, well, let me kind of lose, let me lose a few pounds during Lent and, I'll, uh, I'll work out a little bit more, the kind of the discipline thing. And you know, can, 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 I can kind of be benefited on the, both the physical and the, and the spiritual. But I think, I think that's a great point you make. Like, let, to like legit, like to really be like, God, I, I got, I've just got time here. Um, I have more time. And I'm, you know, once this thing clears, we're not going to have time like this again. I mean, let's hope we don't, right? And, you know, and, and we're not. So to, to yeah, learn the guitar is great and, and doing more sit-ups is great. But like the examples you gave, um, praying as a family. I mean, I tried to talk a little bit about this last week when we had a holy hour and I was just trying to make the point about like, you know, we got to have to sort of make our living room or wherever it is where we're watching the mass, you know, lives on, online. You got to sort of make that a little, little bit like church or chapel, meaning like, you know, turn the TV off and put the phone down and put the cup of coffee down during 
if, if say it's, it's mass that's on and and even beyond that like if we're if you if you're there and you got the kids with you or just your, your husband or your wife and like am i going to be a spectator to this am i just going to kind of watch mass the way i'd watch a met game or am i going to kind of like enter into this more like very practically like am i going to respond when it's the right time is when it's time to stand up or when I would stand up at mass or when I would kneel at mass, maybe we should do this. And you know what? I think for a lot of us, it's going to be kind of weird. I remember saying mass, my older brother, Danny, he's uh, four years older than me. This was years ago. And he lives in Delaware. For whatever reason, I was down there and there, and he's got a wife and, and four kids, but nobody was around. And it was a Sunday and I happened to be down there. And so it was like, well, I'll say mass, I'll say mass, you know, one of the advantages of having a priest in the family is you don't have, you can just, if you bring what you need, you can say mass right at home. And I had done that a bunch of times prior, but this was the first time it was just my brother and I, and it was just a little weird. It was like, you know, the Lord be with you. And he's like, looking at, looking back at me, he's like, and also with your spirit. Like, it was just kind of like, I had never really, you know, maybe when we were little kids, we, 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 we prayed together, but it had been a, a lot of years since I, sort of directly prayed with my brother and it was a little awkward. Like it was a little, it was like this unspoken awkwardness initially. Um, but it was a good thing. And first of all, it was the mass. So it was, it was a necessary thing, but I think some of that, like how great it would be that if we look back after this tough time, we said, yeah, we actually, as a family, like we got way more comfortable saying our prayers together. Uh, we just, it wasn't like we were uncomfortable in the past. We just never really did. Or well, we did, but we got away from it. And this this kind of reeled us back in. And we're going to keep it going. Um, like how, what a, what a great thing that would be to kind of, you know, just sort of on the spiritual end to kind of, to kind of strengthen ourselves. I, I, it's, you said it perfectly. All that, all that other stuff, working out more, um, which I should get to, right? Uh, working out more, um, you know, spending time with the family or, or learning an instrument, reading more, all great stuff. And and to your point, keep doing it. <laughs> Continue to do that as long as we're making time, uh, you know, to grow spiritually as well because you said it perfectly, Bri uh, Father Brian, we, we, we're not going to have this kind of time, uh, you know, in front of us uh, for a while now. Um, Great discussions, guys. Um, you know, we're, we're getting close to that hour mark, so I do want to take some time and, and get into some questions. Uh, again, if you do have any questions, uh, you can, if, if you're watching on Facebook, you can ask a question in the comments below, uh, or you can text a question to 516-908-2234. Uh, again, you can text your questions to 516-908-2234. Um, Sean, do we have any uh, questions in the queue right now? We do. Um, before we get to questions, I just want to highlight one of the comments that came up in the live feed here. Um, mentioned some people who are, are involved in something that they're calling the birthday brigade. I don't know if that's the, the organization that's kind of like highlighting birthdays around Long Beach, but I mean, if that's the case, that's incredible. And um, also highlighting some names there who are delivering food to healthcare workers, um, maybe at some of the hospitals and local offices around um, Long Island here where we're located. But um, yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds like there are some people doing some really great stuff out there, uh, to keep, keep the positivity up in a time where it's absolutely needed. Um, 
So one question, I think maybe Father Brian, you can give some, um, some shine some light on this, but somebody texted in asking about confession. Um, and, and we had a couple other questions that came in about it too. So, you know, one person brought up whether or not there would be virtual confession available. Um, and then there were a lot of questions about whether or not any opportunity for confession would be available heading into Holy Week, um, kind of the holiest time of our year as Catholics. So if you want to try to tackle those. Yeah, I know um, these questions, um, they've been tough because it's almost always the response is sort of no. Uh, you know, somebody asked me earlier today, palms, can we get palms? They said, no, we're not allowed to do palms. Um, and then they asked about communion, uh, you know, maybe communion on Easter Sunday. And at this point, I mean, I, I just we just can't. I mean, we can't do the obvious stuff. We just can't do something that's going to draw people together. Uh, confession, people have asked this question long before coronavirus, uh, can I go to confession over the phone? And you can't, you have to be physically present with the person. Um, it's a little bit like, um, you know, the spiritual communion. Uh, are we, are we receiving the Eucharist when we have a, you know, spiritual communion? Well, we're not, we're not, but it's spiritually, we're, kind of coming as close to it as we can. And I'd say, I, I think I'd say the same thing with, with confession. Um, you know, conversation, you know, a phone call, a conversation, uh, sometimes with, with the sacrament of reconciliation, beyond the grace of the sacrament and absolution and the forgiveness of sins, there's just a ben- practical benefit talking to somebody. It's like, a not that it's counseling, but it just a lot of time, you know, we just, we unburden ourselves when we're honest with another person. So, you know, some of that potentially could happen, you know, over the phone, but the actual um, practice of the sacrament, you know, really, we, we can't do it uh, if we're not, if we're not in person. So, um, you know, almost, you know, I don't know, I haven't heard this, I haven't heard this, but like we, we have spiritual communion. Can, can we have sort of spiritual confession in a, in, a, in a sense where we just even personally were very reflective, self-reflective about that, which we're sorry for. And we ask for forgiveness. You know, you, you pray the act of contrition. Am I receiving absolution? No, but am I moving closer toward, you know, a better place spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I definitely don't want to, say anything that isn't right. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, you know, I think if somebody dies and, you know, say they're in coronavirus or suffering from it and they pass away without getting a chance to actually go to confession, but they make a personal act of contrition or to truly contrite, I, I have no idea what happens, but I know that God is merciful. So, right. You, you just nailed it. I mean, I think, at the end of the day, God's mercy reigns. So, you know, we have structure, we have sacraments, we have order to them. We also got to remember, you know, God is in charge here. So, you know, somebody spoke, called me the other day and uh, somebody's mother-in-law was, was dying, couldn't get a priest. Uh, at least when they had called me at that point, they couldn't get a priest and they were very concerned about the fact that the mom wouldn't be able to receive the anointing of the sick. Ultimately, she did, a priest did get there. But, you know, I was fully prepared to say to her, listen, we do the best we can. You do the best you can. At the end of the day, God's in charge here. So, like, you know, that's not something to be losing sleep about. 
Yeah, and yeah, I, I'll never be. I'll I'll be the first one to to go to bat for the importance of confession. Um, but you know, in uncertain times, you know, we can't it can't be perfect, unfortunately. Right. Um, well, clearly, you need it, and I don't think you need to be making excuses. Okay. Like you 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 need it, so you don't want to that, right? I'll be the first to admit that. Um, another question that came up a few times from people was uh, surrounding Good Friday services. Um, you know, Stations of the Cross and, and the, you know, communion service that's kind of offered on Good Friday as a continuation of the Triduum. So maybe you can touch on that, but also um, touch on Holy Week in general and the Triduum. And, yeah. Yeah, know, we're kind of... from Mass, so... What's that? I was just going to say, if we're removed from Mass, what can we right. do uh, as an alternative? Yeah, well, we're going to do kind of what we've been doing with weekday and, and Sunday weekend Mass, Sunday Masses, uh, we're going to bring it to you virtually. Um, you know, there's certain practical things with the uh, the Holy Week services, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, uh, Holy Saturday, that we just, we're not going to be able to do. So it'll have to be uh, adjusted. For instance, on Holy Thursday, you know, one of the, one of the great liturgies of the year is the institution of the Eucharist, the celebration of the first mass, the last supper. Uh, the washing of the feet when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And, you know, if you've been to Holy Thursday Mass, it's very powerful. It's a great ceremony. Twelve people from the, the community, uh, the priests will go around and wash their feet. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to do that. People said, well, well what, if we, what if we washed one person's foot? Could we do that? And, you know, symbolically, we, we really can't. So, you know, so we'll have to cut that back. At the end of Holy Thursday, we uh, re- typically, you know, normally you repose the Blessed Sacrament because it's now you're entering into Good Friday, the death of Jesus, so the Eucharist isn't present. We're not going to be able to do that. Good Friday, the veneration of the cross. I mean, again, most people know that's, you know, it's a huge part of the, uh, part of the ceremony. People come up and they'll either kiss the cross or somehow venerate it. Well, number one, we're not going to have people there. Um, and again, just the whole distancing piece, We even if we had people. We, we wouldn't be able to do that. So we'll have Good Friday. We'll have the uh, the reading of the Passion. Uh, you know, I'll venerate the cross. Uh, Father Anthony's there. In our case, if Deacon Mike is there, we would venerate the cross. Um, you know, again, okay, how can we be creative? Well, maybe you take a cross or a crucifix at home and you put it in a prominent place that day. Um, maybe, maybe it isn't a prominent place. You take it off the wall and you put it in front of the computer or the TV or however you're, you're watching. And as a family, you know, you, you venerate that cross. Um, so yeah, it would be that it would be kind of, kind of, we'll have to just abbreviate some of what we normally, you know, normally do. Uh, St. Mary's, we're not going to do, we won't have a whole, uh, a vigil on Saturday night, um, Holy Saturday, usually you have, uh, often you have the sacraments, people who are uh, entering the church. Um, so we're not going to be able to do that. So uh, on Holy Saturday, if you were looking to kind of pray that liturgy, I'd suggest you just uh, plug into one of the, the masses that are on, that are on TV or mm-hmm. other online possibilities. Anyway, I, I think that kind of answers it. Um, so it's kind of scaling back what we generally do. And again, it'll be from a distance. Uh, Good Friday, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put together, uh, I hope to put together a, a, 
a uh, Stations of the Cross. Um, again, this would be all virtually, but um, yeah, we've been doing the rosary each for the last two weeks. Um, and it's been met with, you know, real positive, uh, great response. So hopefully we'll get a similar thing going with the stations. Um, just to follow up on that, you know, here on the Beach Catholic Podcast, we like to, uh, you know, obviously we're going to speak about speak about what we're doing down here in the Barrier Island, here in the Diocese of Rockville Center. Um, most of the time, if we're talking about local events, um, I would always urge you definitely check out what's going on in your own parish, see what they're doing for Holy Week. Um, but if they're not doing anything, the the beauty of this is that you can check out exactly what we're doing virtually here, um, you know, on beachcatholic.com slash TV, uh, or if you far, uh, follow St. Mary of the Isle, facebook.com slash St. Mary of the Isle. So again, I, I definitely urge you to check out what's going on with your local parish, see, see if they're doing any Stations of the Cross, uh, you know, what, what they're doing. But if not, definitely feel free to uh, to join us on our sites as well. Um, Shauna, we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, do we have any more questions uh, coming in? Well, there was one that came in early that had to do with uh, Father Brian and snakes, but I think that might elicit some negative reactions out of him. So we're going to leave that one alone. I've, I've already seen the negative reactions about five or 10 minutes ago when he said you needed to get to confession. So uh, <laughs> that's just a follow-up from our earlier conversation. So that's great. <laughs> uh, do, do we have any more, Sean? Uh, no, I think that's that's going to round it out so far. Um, just, uh, you know, a couple of suggestions that came in that, you know, we're always looking for those too. So, Yep. Um, so before we get into the final words and before, uh, you know, Father Brian says our final prayer, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys for some help. You know, we're, we're doing these virtual masses down here on the Barrier Island. Uh, we love bringing these podcasts uh, to your home. Um, you know, we're going to ask you for some help. You know, if, if you feel uh, you'd like to contribute, um, feel free to do so at beachcatholic.com slash give. Again, that's beachcatholic.com slash give uh, if you'd like to help out in any way. Um, but let's go into final words, Sean. Um, you know, if you have any intentions or, or, or just final thoughts before we close out. Well, the first thing I think is highlighting what you just mentioned is, you know, one of the ways that we can really support our local parishes wherever you are is, is to make sure you're giving. Most parishes do have an online giving um, option at this point. So, you know, churches have bills and they depend on parishioners. So, you know, we just all have to do our part for that. And the only other thing I'll say is when it comes to Holy Week, uh, we, we've talked about how much time we have before Father Brian really highlighted that. And let's, let's give a good chunk of it to God. And whether you're with your family or by yourself, just, just try to pray as much as you can. Uh, I'll go into mine. You know, we did, we did just mention collections. Um, you know, what we always say about collections is, is what you, what you can afford, right? You know, whatever your means allow. I, I think that also goes with your time and your efforts circling back to our topic for tonight, being the good Samaritan, uh, helping out your neighbors as much as you can. Uh, now, you know, keep yourself safe, keep your family safe for sure. Uh, but whatever your means allow from an effort and from a time perspective, um, see what time you, you could put into to helping out a neighbor, like Father Brian said before, even if it's just uh, picking up the phone and, and checking in with somebody. Um, you know, I, I definitely am going to make a, a conscious effort on my part to see uh, what more I can do. And, and I definitely uh, pray that you will as well. Um, and Father Brian, your final words. 
Um, well, I, you know, not to get uh, too doom and gloom, but I think just maybe be realistic, like where, at least in the, in the New York area, um, I mean, this is going to get worse. So just to, um, I mean, that we just kind of try to prepare ourselves. I'm not even, you know, we really can't, you can't, this is also new to us. So, you know, preparing, I'm not quite sure what that means, but I, but I do, I would certainly suggest this, that we just try to, we steps, we take concrete steps closer to, to Jesus in these days um, that we be individually, we become people of prayer collectively, you know, from a family uh, perspective, from a, you know, from a parish end that we just, um, you know, it is a little, it's almost creepy how, you know, we're, we're moving into the darkest days of our, of the year in terms of faith. Um, Holy Thursday night, you know, the betrayal Friday, you know, you know, the, the arrest, the denial is murder. <laughs> like just, doesn't really get any darker. So in a weird way, we're, um, timing is kind of appropriate, I guess. Like I think we're, we're going to be entering into similarly good Friday moments. Um, let's just do it. Let's do it as a group. Let's do it as a, as a family of faith, uh, with knowledge that we're not alone and that God is with us. Amen. So uh, we will be back next week. Uh, if you have any questions that you want to ask us, you can uh, either send us a message on Facebook, or again, you can text any of your questions, 516-908-2234. Again, that number is 516-908-2234. So we hope that you could join us next week. And uh, Father, if you want to close us out in prayer. Sure. Lord God, bless us uh, tonight and in this week. Help this week uh, be one which keeps us strong and close to you. Bless those in need. <clears throat> Bless all those who are serving, those who are ill. Keep them safe. Uh, keep us all safe. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And uh, on behalf of everybody down here, the Beach Catholic family, uh, we hope you stay safe and God bless you.